0: Welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour.
1: Brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department.
0: Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas.
1: And I'm Suzanne Zarges.
0: We're coming to you from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in the Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom.
1: We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help
0: Thanks for joining us today. We are very excited to be with you. I'm going to start off with, in case you missed it, this week's blog post is up and it's all about the data warehouse. And if you have tunnel vision like I do, when I was teaching, I had no idea what it was. I never clicked on the tile on my SPS, but now that I'm in this position and I have, I've seen how valuable that can be to a teacher to be able to see your data across everything. It's a great tool. Go check out the blog. It explains how to use it, how to access it, and if you need more help in getting data and how to email the Data Warehouse team. It's got a lot to offer. It's a great tool that I think if I were teaching now, I would definitely be taking advantage of. So check it out.
1: In case you missed it, Dyno is a great tool available to teachers that allows you to monitor your students while they work online. If you haven't tried it out yet, the instructions are on MySPS and you can always email DLA support with questions.
0: In case you missed it, an announcement went out on MySPS all about weather closings and delays. If you're not sure, what you should be doing on those days. It is a great little primer that tells you exactly who gets to do what for what role in regards to weather and delays, but always be safe when you're driving in.
1: That's it for In Case You Missed It. Coming up next, Hot Takes.
0: hot take, Suzanne. I read an article that made me so happy. We love movies at our house. We have movie night at our house. And one of the popular movies is anything that starts with the word Pixar.
1: I knew you were going to say that, Mike, because you have something special from your high school that has to do with Pixar, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, when I was in high school, we had a computer lab. This was back a long time ago now, but Pixar actually brought A Bug's Life out to our computer lab. We had the same computers that made Titanic, that made A Bug's Life, and Toy Story. We had those same computers, and they screened parts of the film for us at our school. So Pixar holds a dear place in my heart. Plus, Suzanne, those movies are amazing.
1: They are amazing. I agree.
0: But what's great about this article and why we're talking about Pixar to start with is that there's a thing on Khan Academy called Pixar in a Box. So I got this article from MindShift. It's, again, my favorite like educational website, big idea website, education disruption website, whatever you want to call it. So the article is called Pixar in a Box Teaches Math Through Real Animation Challenges. The moment I started reading this, Suzanne, I'm like, this is project-based learning. This is project-based learning. And it's Pixar. It made me so happy.
1: That's so funny, Mike. I love that that you had that reaction and obviously so much enthusiasm when it comes to uh, Pixar and what it can do in the classroom. My first reaction in reading this article was, it's math and art, it's math and art. I love math, love math, (laughs) but I know a lot of people don't. So to combine art and math, I think we'll get a lot more people enthusiastic about the subject I love.
0: What was really great about this is the article talks about one of the senior scientists. I love that at Pixar they're called senior scientists, by the way. Tony DeRose was faced with a problem that animators had never solved at that time which was how to make a hand of an old man look lifelike now we look at our hands and we see oh that's what our hands are when we watch a movie it's normally regular people when it was 2d animation this would be back with like the lion king the little mermaid all that stuff was hand drawn there was not as much mathematics per se in it that would be obvious when it comes to computer animation though it's all mathematics Which I think is really great. And that's what the article starts to talk about is they can make it, they can make a lifelike sculpture, but then they had to figure out how to take that and put it into 3D. And therein lies your project-based learning. Project-based learning is always, to me, from what I can tell, is always based upon solving a real-world problem. That's project-based learning at its core and at its best is doing that. And for them, this was a real life problem. He actually won a scientific and technical academy award in 2006 for the work that he was doing, which is pretty cool. What's great is Khan Academy, as you all know, has a plethora of math education and science education that is free, that is designed to help students gain a better understanding of how things work and how to do and perform certain objectives it was really cool suzanne to see how pixar was like we want to teach this to people khan academy was like we teach these things already and like how they started to like mesh it together
1: right and uh one thing that khan academy had noted was that even with all of the videos that they have explaining various curriculum topics students weren't watching the whole video They would get halfway through and say, all right, that's enough for me. It wasn't interesting enough to hold their attention for the entire lesson. So Khan Academy wanted to find a way to get them to watch the whole lesson and to be more engaged, and that's when Pixar came in.
0: Yeah, and so once they created these video lessons, Pixar in a Box, you can actually go there now, and I think this article might be referencing something a little bit older, because last time I looked, They actually had, like, how to create, like, a Pixar story, like, through Pixar in a Box, along with some of the other things they talk about in the article. To get people excited and to understand exactly what goes into those movies, like, this is a great Primer for that
1: right, and um, to get back to um, what you were saying about project based learning and relating a lesson to to real life, one of the lessons they talk about had to do with weighted averages in algebra. I mean that was such a fantastic example because if I told my daughter when she was in high school, oh, okay, this week we 're learning about weighted averages. And uh, you know, I want you to do wellness algebra course, I'm sure I would get the eye roll. But mm-hmm. if I showed her this lesson where they had a, a concrete example that they had to do with Pixar, enthusiasm would go up a thousand percent.
0: Yeah. I remember in high school, in algebra class specifically, being like, When am I ever gonna use this in real life? And that is one of the things that we hear students say all the time. Exactly I started hearing that in fifth grade when I was teaching. It's like, why do I need to know how to do division? My calculator will do it for me. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't under, didn't understand like the bigger picture of, like, this is why we do these things, not so we know how to do something rotely. It's to like understand and be able to problem solve larger concepts.
1: Exactly. Um, the other important piece that I, I found in this article was that it's not something that teachers would use every day. It has some lessons that are aligned to the Common Core, but not all of them. But it's definitely something that they could assign as homework. And then dive deeper during the class day.
0: Right. And I think one of the key components to Common Core in general is the ability to problem solve. And that's where you could get away with saying, like, yes, they're learning how to do math. It might not be at a grade level. One of the things they note is many of the lessons can be used throughout various grade levels. It focuses in on problem solving and creative thinking, which is very hard to think about when it comes to math because we don't think of math as creative at all like it's a lot of times we get in our heads like math is that rote thing that you do that i think of um goodwill hunting and that giant chalkboard with a giant problem like that's what i think of mathematics i don't necessarily think that's creative i mean it is creative for the most of us we see that and we're like oh that's just an equation like we don't see the bigger picture and that's what i love about this pixar in a box is like it takes you to the bigger picture of what mathematics can do
1: exactly it connects the math with the art and one of the first things i think about with that is the great collaboration that can take place with something like this you've got all of your students who are maybe stereotypically identified as artists and then you have your group of students who are the math geeks and this totally brings those two worlds together
0: i think pixar has made a point to that like they're computer scientists when they go out and are working on a film like Finding Nemo or The Incredibles, or I believe his first thing was Jerry's Game, which was a short that they made like early on in Pixar's history. That would be the game with the old guy playing chess against himself, for those who have never never seen it before. I think it's an extra on one of the first Toy Story movies, or you can find out Pixar has a collection of all their shorts that you can find it on too. they make their directors their writers their computer scientists they all have to have an understanding of what's going on so like when they were doing the Incredibles they studied superheroes and like how they work. when they were doing finding Nemo they went to Australia went diving with their video cameras so that they could take it because not everybody in the company can do it that's working on the project but they take some of the key people have them go out learn so that they can turn around and teach everybody else. And Pixar has like their own Pixar university where they encourage their employees to continue learning. And again, this is Part of that continued learning is exactly what's going on with this Pixar in a box stuff, is that now they're taking the things that they're learning and distilling it down so that the average person who is not a computer scientist can understand it and they can see how it's important. And they talk about the meshing of art and technology. I think that phrase comes up like two or three times in this article.
1: Yes, it definitely does. The other piece that um, you alluded to there is that the videos show the people behind the careers, um, I mean behind the scenes, and show students careers that they never knew about, that they never would have even considered. And I think that's just such an important piece for our students to be exposed to the possibilities in this world, and that they may be studying math in the classroom, but to know that they can turn that around and work for Pixar in this scenario, I would think they would be so excited about that.
0: Yeah. And I can think of like all those students who I always had doodling and drawing. I'm like, that's fantastic. I'm like, we need to focus on the math part now. That's they really would thrive with things like this. And then I remember students when we did, um, Oh what was it? It was coordinate grids and plotting points and then because I always one of the things that I like to do was give kind of like the connect the dot coordinate coordinate grid so that it ends up being like a 3D picture. And the students who really thrived with that this is why this is what they need to see why they're learning math.
1: Exactly.
0: Because not only would this be at Pixar, but the same with Dreamworks or any other animation studio across the world like they could get a job making movies making characters taking their drawings and bringing them to life essentially so
1: right that real world connection is is so critical and um to get off a little bit but not (laughs) too much it reminds me of a um a course that i took um at holy cross college in worcester and it was all about teaching math but the professor was just phenomenal and she told story after story about real life scenarios that she had been hired for because she was such an incredible mathematician and one of them required her to go out to the grand canyon and measure the the flow of the river because a company needed something done and they needed all these you know really technical um calculations to get the job done right so Just another example of, you know, mathematicians don't necessarily always have to sit in a little cubicle with Hmm. no windows. They can be out in the real world doing important things.
0: I don't remember if this article touches upon this, but a lot of jobs that mathematicians, those who would go through college getting their master's degree in math, a lot of the jobs there's things that are automated now where they don't have to do and so that's where like because of their knowledge they could do exactly what we were talking about, go out to the Grand Canyon and calculate the flow of the water or calculate whatever. They could go to Pixar or DreamWorks and they could start creating three D characters and renderings to help along with the storytellers. That just kinda of working hand in hand. Math gets a bad rap a lot. It does. Story, like really focusing in on like what Pixar is doing, like it allows, I think you mentioned it before, but it's worth mentioning again, it allows people to like see the behind the scenes stuff that Pixar is doing, that they have the actual scientists talking. They have the actual scientists doing the teaching because with Khan Academy, it's all Sal for the most part. I don't think I've ever watched a video that it wasn't him, but here these are experts in their fields. Teaching you how to do something that you might learn in middle school and high school math that turns around and applies to what they are doing. And so it kind of helps you getting in that, the, especially the career part, because I would be willing to bet with Pixar and the way that they do things, they would be open to hiring people who are excellent mathematicians but maybe did not go to a four-year college. Maybe they only went to a two year college or maybe they'll hire them right out of high school because of their skills that they can develop in school. And like these are some so you can see exactly what they're doing, which is really cool. And like you said, um, these videos are not all Common Core, but they do have lesson plans and lesson guides with them, which is really great. As for our teachers who like to plan things having those guides are very helpful.
1: Mike, I'd love to know, uh, with our listeners out there, who is aware of this? Who knows about Pixar in the box? And who has used Khan Academy? And what do they think about the integration of art and technology? I'd love to see what our students are already doing.
0: Yeah, let us know. Leave us messages on Yammer or email us at DLA Support. Send us tweets, snail mail. I would say phone calls, but I don't like talking on the phone that much, actually, because my phone... It goes as I'm talking. So it's hard. But you can, was... you can send me messages any other way.
1: I heard a rumor that that will be fixed soon, though.
0: That would be nice. Um, it would be great to hear what people are doing, in all seriousness. Um,
1: and I do want to reiterate one point. You already made this, but I want to reiterate it, um, that the lessons um, are not grade-specific. So they're for fourth grade through high school, but find a lesson that's right for your students, and it may be you know, above or below the actual grade that they're in. So it would be just phenomenal to see what, what's possible for the students to achieve viewing these
0: lessons. Yeah. I like how they end the article talking about Cruz who is in a, in a Brit Cruz who is a content producer at Khan Academy. One of the things he mentions and he wraps up the article with is instead these videos are meant to delight to ask people to be creators as well as learners to push other to push users to finish online lessons. Cruz says he hopes teachers might consider assigning the video lessons at home so class time can be used for hands-on activities and a deeper dive. I honestly think you don't actually start learning until that stage. I'm a huge proponent of hands-on learning, which that's a great reason why we have Brightspace. There you go. So you can assign things. They can watch it at home. And then come back in. So again, this was Pixar in a Box. Pixar in a Box teaches math through real animation challenges. You should check it out. The links will be to Khan Academy, to Pixar in a Box, and to this article will all be in our show notes. Coming up next, our interview with Ron Rue from Kylie. So this week we interviewed Ron Rue from Kylie. He is currently a master teacher through the ZEP schools at Kylie. Um, There's a lot of great things that he's doing, so let's listen in.
2: I started in Springfield at Public Day Middle around 2008. From there, uh, I became an ILS at Kylie around 2012-13, and then I uh, recently moved into a master teacher position with the Empowerment Zone at Kylie. Sounds like you've gone from Public Day. Was that also the middle school, or uh, that was the uh, safe school, or? Public Day Middle, mm-hmm. but it was the middle school that was over in Six Corners. Um, so when you were teaching, what was
0: it like using technology in the classroom?
2: Uh, my first experience with technology, I, I knew I wanted to project and there weren't any resources. So I found a TV and for 12 bucks, I bought some kind of converter that uh, allowed me to project onto it like a TV, like my screen became a TV screen. And that was my first experience with technology.
0: Wow. So now now taking that into account and being an ILS here at Kylie, where there's a lot more technology what are some of the things that you've done that have taken gone from that first setting up to project on a TV to where you are now?
2: Uh, I think where we are now as a district is it's a lot about experimentation which can be scary and I think it forces us to rely on other experts so some things that I've experimented with uh, We had spent money on Mimeo devices, so we had Mimeo Boat, Mimeo Teach, which is sort of like a low-grade SmartBoard and things of that nature. Um, So I've experimented with a lot of those. Currently, I use a Mimeo camera in my room to uh, project student work, and I also have a projector. I've tried SmartBoards, not really a fan, it's just not my style. I still like to use a whiteboard marker with projected screen, and uh, the most recently We've jumped on the OneNote bandwagon, and today, uh, ironically, it's sort of, I guess, conveniently, um, it was the first day I tried OneNote with my students and kind of stumbled through that today.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So going from projecting onto a TV to being able to project on walls and using the whiteboards, that's quite a jump that you've made over time. So let's talk about this OneNote. So you're using it, you guys started using it as a staff first before you jumped in with students, or did you jump in staff and students at the same time? Or
2: We heard about OneNote through Forest Park uh, working with uh, Sarah Macon and Kim O'Grady over there and it was a large part of their practice and we started experimenting with it over the summer uh, really just as like a common area for dumping files and as we became more comfortable we saw its value uh, to be used in uh, PLCs. A few of our teachers saw its value in the classroom and one started with the student notebooks. Mm -hmm. So she spent the past month really figuring out the quirks, and that has now led to a few other teachers, including uh, me, jumping into that. Uh, As far as use of PLCs, it's really allowed us to differentiate, which is sort of like what we've always struggled with. But we were able to uh, create a PLC where we had different centers for things like threshold, engaging the disengaged, and also people who wanted to experiment with OneNote. And we launched it, with the teachers just so they could get the experience. Uh, We audio recorded teachers talking about those specific centers because they were the the experts. Mm -hmm. They talked about what uh, they thought it looked like, why they thought it was important, and how they got better at it. And we had a reflection area within the OneNote uh, for, for teachers to reflect on that and then we've taken that information, we were able to analyze it, since it was all right there in front of us, not posted notes or anything crazy, mm-hmm. and we were able to like snip it, dump it all together, look at some patterns, and then create a second PLC that we're doing tomorrow, again, within OneNote, and now we realize that it was two pathways that teachers were interested in, and we're giving them a chance for a deeper dive. It's seamless.
0: Yeah, and OneNote is fantastic. I know we use it in our offices all the time, and, We've been doing a lot of trainings lately. In fact, I, this week I know i have um, going to one of the schools and doing three days of training during PLC times to teach teachers how to use the class notebook part. So that is pretty exciting. So as an ILS, I imagine you get to get into the classrooms a lot.
2: I also have my own class I you, teach.
0: What are some of the things that you've seen your teachers doing with technolo- in
2: regards to technology? Uh, we have all different varieties here at Kylie. There's about 10 teachers who use Mimeo Vote regularly. Uh, they like that they can pull up a test question, snip it, and then create a multiple choice uh, formative assessment. And it really just works on the fly. We've even had teachers uh, use it along with note-taking, that when they finished taking notes for a spot, they would click a, uh, a button and mm-hmm. then that meant they were done and students were getting uh, like grades for how quickly they were taking notes as well. We have smart boards that are fully functioning in probably 80% of the building, and about half our teachers use them as interactive devices. Um, I believe there's a a way to project in every single classroom, and there's probably two teachers that don't project on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Everyone is using projection in some way. We have teachers using Mimeo cameras. Uh, We now have laptop carts that are two to one. Uh, We had about 10 teachers jump into uh, Brightspace and use that on a regular basis. And yeah, I guess that's sort of like an overview, but there's there's things mm-hmm. I'm leaving out. Yeah.
0: In thinking about the rest of the school year and preparing your students and the students that you work with via being an ILS, what are some technology skills that you're really like honing in on this year?
2: I I feel like where we went wrong in the past few years is really Breaking down the skills into like specific categories like radial dots and and things of that nature. The kids they learn quickly if given the right environment. And I started thinking a lot about how they learn video games. There's you go onto a game, there is one level that's like a a level where they just teach you the controls and it's uh, low stakes, and then you feel accomplished. You actually score points from it. So I think. I'm not really answering your question. I'm hijacking your question, but it's with a point. But I think the more that we just give kids opportunities to play in a very structured environment, I think the better off we are. And I guess to give an example of that is, today I launched OneNote and I gave the students the basic rundown of content library where uh, I used the example of, like, can you write in the books in the library? No, just like in the content library. And the collaboration, what does that mean? It means we work together, great. I gave them some warnings about how I can tell everything that everyone writes. So that that preemptive pre-teach uh, really set the expectation. And then I made some fun activities. I put um, an about myself PowerPoint up there and I made one for myself and uh, that was one choice. And the other choice was uh, to download a PDF that we created. It was a story about our principal, Mr. Sutton. And they uh, had to pick a lie, they had to pick something interesting and use the annotating functions of highlight and strike out. Mm-hmm. And it was low stakes. But I told them, I need to see this done on your computer for a 100% quiz grade and it's all or not. And I just got students focused. Mm-hmm. And when they were finished, everyone loves making PowerPoints, especially about <laughs> yourself. And that allowed me to differentiate my instruction. I actually had eight students I, who had trouble. I said, meet me over on the side, we're just going to fix it together. And I knew everyone else was engaged, earning a grade, and I could really help these eight kids out.
0: That's awesome. I imagine with. A school like yours, just like every other school in the district, you get a lot of new teachers. What is some of the advice that you have given them this past year or in past years about using technology in the
2: classroom? To to coin a phrase, zone of proximal development. Uh, We get people from all areas. And if it means, let's use a projector. And uh, one of the easiest entry points was showing this is PowerPoint. This is the snip function. You're going to make a PowerPoint just snipping from your lesson plan that's it. And this way, the teacher is spending less time writing on a whiteboard. They're allowed to look at the at the students and then having like pick a student to run the PowerPoint for you. So it's sort of like finding those entry points for them. Uh, We have I mean, they're coming from all all different levels of technology ability. But I think the other thing is uh, use use the skills of those around you. It's not my job to teach or train. It is my job to find the expert and facilitate a connection. If that means sit in uh, a new teacher's classroom and find an opportunity and then talk with them and say, here are three choices that I think will make your life better. Which are you interested in? And then from there say, let's go watch this teacher tomorrow and then you tell me what you like and don't like. And really letting them take the lead. So we've had the least, our least success has come from like overall trainings of something. Our best success has been uh, last year, we tried with Brightspace. We wanted everyone to just like touch it. Mm -hmm. So we put a menu, we said at the bare minimum, we want you to go on Brightspace. And we had one discussion board and your job was to watch a YouTube video, in a discussion board. The next level up was to like create a newsfeed. And then the next level up from that was like something like create a club. And everyone struggled at the different levels. But everyone had some experience with it by the end. And it wasn't like we didn't have like a lofty goal. We just said we want everyone to just taste it. And that was our best out. There.
0: Well, thank you for your time. I know that we're in the middle of school day and
2: it's always very busy. so I just want to leave this opportunity for you to tell our listeners anything else that you want. Any challenge that you encounter, be it with technology or anything in this district, I, I find do it with a smile and and genuine humor. I think sometimes we confuse humor with sarcasm. And if we just approach like today my my lesson could have blown up it kind of did blow up <laughs> and i just said guys we're gonna work it out together and i we all felt more successful before
0: What
1: do you think? Another great interview, Mike. Love it. Again, I, I can't say enough about our teachers and the enthusiasm that just comes through with every interview. I love what they are doing with the technology that they have, and I love that he is open to experimentation. Um,
0: clearly. I mean, he did start by figuring out how to hook his computer up to a TV on his own, so. Yes. <laughs> clearly he's very for experimentation, which is great because that kind of thing bleeds lead, into the school and into other teachers be, being willing to try things.
1: Exactly. He had that vision. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew that it was a little bit scary at the time, but he did it and then little by little everyone followed his his path
0: so what i really liked is that he was very open about this is the things that we realize that we need to improve upon and so that's we're taking steps now to do that and then including like using one note and like where They learned it from and so then they tried it over the summer and now they're doing it with their staff and some of their staff is doing it with the students and just kind of how like because someone was willing to step forward and be first, the rest of the staff is trying things.
1: Right. And a great point that he made was the fact that teachers need to rely on other experts, that they they don't need to feel that they need to learn everything all by themselves or that um, there's going to be one person only in their school that will be able to teach them. There's going to be multiple people and you need to reach out and expand that network that you have in your mind of people who can teach you about
0: technology. One of the things that he said that he likes to do with teachers, instead of doing like the mass training of here, all 50 teachers are sitting in the cafeteria learning how to do something. He's taking that teacher, kind of observing them, giving them a few options of like, what do you want to try first, basically? And then when they answer, he's like, all right, let's go check out this teacher who is already doing that. And then you can see and then we can talk about what you like, what you don't like, like To me, it really seems like there's a real spirit of collaboration in that school. Absolutely. And a real spirit of wanting to help each other improve.
1: And that's the key right there, especially when it comes to technology, because everyone's going to be scared of something. You have to work together and learn from your peers. The other piece I thought, um, the other point he made that I thought was excellent was how he realized watching students play video games, not his students, maybe his, his kids. But what he thought about um, how they learned to play a video game and how those skills were broken down, and then he translated that to the training he does within the school. So first, you need to understand the basic controls. I think that's something mm-hmm. that many times we forget about because it may be automatic to us, but it's not automatic to everybody else. So right. I thought that was a great point. He made.
0: Yeah, and even like trying, it's all like when he was talking about that I, in my head, I'm like, Game-based learning, (laughs) game-based learning, that's what I'm hearing. But it's so true. Like, getting people's feet wet, like, they're not going to try OneNote. They're not going to try Brightspace without a purpose attached to it and without a risk-free environment attached to it. Because if they think they're going to break something, they're going to try to not break something, which means that they're not going to try. They'll, once they hit a wall, they'll stop. And so I like that approach to it. it was like last year I think they what he had talked about was for Brightspace they had three levels of things. Like for people who have never touched it, this is what you need to do. For people who kinda know what they're doing, this is what you need to do. For those people who think that they're experts, this is what you need to do. And then even in within that, he allowed like people were allowed to just continue moving up as they were trying things.
1: Exactly. As he put it, they were given opportunities to play in a structured environment. That's the key. Mm -hmm. You have to have time to play, but as you said, you need to have a goal and a focus. Yeah. I also absolutely loved the way he summed it all up in that you need to face any challenge with a smile and humor.
0: Not sarcasm.
1: Exactly.
0: It was a great interview, Ron. We thank you for the time that you allowed us to come out to your school and interview you. So for this week's question of the month, for the month of November, we want to hear about how you're using technology in your classroom. In specific, we want to hear about lessons that you've done in the past without using technology and how you've added technology to it. It falls in line with the SAMR model. So if you've never used technology in the lesson prior and you do this time, tell us about it. If you used at the S level and you swung it all the way up to the R level, Tell us about it. We want to hear how you're using technology in your lessons, especially from the viewpoint of never using it in the first place. So to leave us those messages, go on Yammer. We have a podcast group set up for you that you can sign up into. You could also leave it on the main page. The questions are always posted on the main Yammer page, the all company. You could also email us at dla support at com. You could send us tweets. You can mail us, you know, however you want to get it to us. If you know someone who will deliver it on a horse, I would totally take a picture of that and put it up on the camera. That's it for this week. I'm Mike Thomas. I'm
1: Suzanne Sarges.
0: And we'll see you next week.